This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Hello and welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and not per usual, I am not joined by Rachel. Uh, We are busy, busy, busy working on many of these things that we've been talking about for a few weeks on the podcast, so I thought I'd give you a quick one here. So I apologize for the uh, short nature of this, but just to kind of catch everybody up on where we are on the reconciliation bill that has sort of been batted about in both the House of Representatives and the Senate, and also just a little quick uh, nugget of information on some of the things that have come out in the news, such as the Pandora Papers. So just a couple thoughts on these things. Uh, Hope everybody is well, and I hope everybody is is ready for a a fun end of the year or a quick run, sprint, slash marathon to the end of the year here, uh, which is basically what we're feeling, and I'm sure many of you are feeling the same thing. So just as a quick reminder on the reconciliation bill, that is the bill that includes the tax proposals from the House Ways and Means Committee. We do not have the Senate version of that bill at this point. And so it's useful to remember, and this was actually something that was emphasized at the ACTEC uh, or the American College of Trust and States Council uh, conference recently, and that is because we don't have the final bill out of the Senate, changes could be made, number one, and number two, because the proposal from the House of Ways and Means Committee is not the law yet, hasn't been enacted. Uh, there could be further amendments and changes to that through the re- legislative process, you know, through this uh uh, negotiating process, and it is a big negotiating process. So, as a reminder, on September 13, the House Ways and Means Committee approved the 881-page uh, bill, and then some people forget that there was also a larger spending package that was actually approved by uh, the House Budget Committee that included these tax provisions. That was approved uh, somewhere around September 27th in the House, and that is a whopping 2,465 pages long. So there's plenty of meat on the bone, so to speak. That spending package uh, tops out at somewhere around $3.5 trillion. Not too short after that, uh, Joe Manchin a senator from West Virginia said that his top line number is 1.5 trillion and because the democrats need every single democratic senator to go along with these provision these spending and taxing provisions um, Joe Manchin has a critical vote the other senator who appeared to be opposed to the top line number was Kristen Cinema from Arizona and she's not said too much publicly about her exact um, differences of opinion on the proposed bill. However, what you get from people who talk about her sort of anecdotally is that she's much more in the weeds of the very, very particular um, spending provisions that are in that proposal and wanting to know uh, all the little nuts and bolts and how they work and how they're going to be paid for and who gets it, etc. Joe Manchin seems to be a bit more high level, a bit more uh, uh, broad in the way that he's thinking about these things. So anyways, Joe Manchin came back and said, no, nah, I think the number is $1.5 trillion. Not too far after, long after that, uh, in early October, you might recall that um, Joe Biden paid a visit to his Democratic colleagues in Congress. And, and what we're told is out of that meeting, or what Joe Biden said during that meeting, is that he thinks that they could negotiate on a number 
On the spending side, that is somewhere between 1.9 trillion and 2.2 trillion. Again, somewhat anecdotally, but after the fact, uh, in a news interview, when asked about that range, Joe Manchin did not didn't just bat it away. He sort of indicated that he might also be comfortable with a, a final number somewhere in that range. But it's a very very big range. And you're still talking about, say, roughly $2 trillion worth of spending, meaning there's plenty to be negotiated. It does not necessarily mean that they will not negotiate and will not come to a final resolution, but there's plenty still to be negotiated. Uh, Nancy Pelosi put an end of October deadline on voting on this package, at least in the House. So even if the House passed it, it still needs to pass in the Senate. And again, we haven't seen the Senate version of this package. And sometimes what happens is that these uh, packages are, or this legislation is passed in the House and then passed in the Senate, and they don't look the same. And so they have to go through the quote unquote reconciliation process to iron out the differences. One difference this time around is that the House Democrats have stated that it is their, their goal to deliver a bill to the Senate that is ready for the Senate to vote on. And so they're actually negotiating with the Senate Democrats now uh, as far as we know, to make sure that the package that they pass at the House is is appropriate in the Senate, so or has the approval of 50 votes in the Senate. So the likelihood of something happening is better than zero, that's for sure. Uh, we still think it's quite likely. I can tell you that the commentators at the ACTEC conference uh, recently were talking about these changes basically as if they've already happened. And so everybody is really expecting these changes to happen. We just don't exactly know which of the changes are going to make it into the final bill, in what form, whether there'll be additional changes that aren't in the bill now. Um, and that all makes it very difficult to do any sort of planning because usually with planning, you're trying to plan around a very specific issue. And right now you're trying to plan around non-specific issues, <laughs> issues that where you don't really know the answer because you don't have the answer because it's not clear what the answer is going to be. But once you do know the answer, it will literally be, for many of these things, too late to do the planning. Um, and so you're just trying to not paint yourself into corners as much as humanly possible to maintain some flexibility in how you do the planning. Uh, so you maybe could change course later on. I've heard some people indicate that you might do revocable planning or planning that has rescission provisions in it based on a change in the law or a mistake of the law. Um, I'm not necessarily doing that kind of planning, but when we're doing planning, say, with irrevocable trusts, we always include provisions where we could actually change the irrevocable trust after the fact if we needed to do so. So we, we have that ability in the documents, and we feel like that gives us a pretty good amount of flexibility without adding in elements to the plan that, that might actually undermine the plan in the future. We also have learned that apparently... One of the other motivations for this end of October deadline is to deliver the spending package of the reconciliation bill uh, to Biden so that when he attends the climate change conference in Glasgow, uh, which I believe is at the end of the month or early in, in November, he has that in tow to give him more clout at the conference and, and more uh, really negotiating power at that conference. Because if he shows up at the at the climate change conference and the United States has not passed its own climate change uh, uh, policy provisions via law, not just not just via executive order, um, then he'll have less of a leg to stand on in negotiating with other countries and trying to encourage them to do the same. Uh, you can imagine if, if the U.S. can't even do its own uh, climate change 
legislation that it'll be difficult for Joe Biden to tell other countries, particularly industrialized countries, uh, that they need to do the same thing uh, when we can't even do it ourselves. So uh, apparently that is a motivation to get this thing done before the end of October. So there's a lot going on. Um, It's gone fairly quiet as far as the media goes and the public statements that were being made at the uh, at the initial outset of of the bill say towards the end of September I think some of that is probably because people were posturing on their particular positions on that bill again there's roughly say two trillion dollars worth of spending on the lines and there's a lot to be negotiated plenty to be posturing about uh, and that's got a, a bit quiet sense so I don't think quiet necessarily means that nothing has happened I think quiet means that negotiations are happening just in the weeds and behind closed doors. And it's going to take some time to put together a bill of that magnitude that everybody is happy with because it's just so big and it's so expansive and it's got so much in it uh, that it's not something that you can do overnight. Again, the the version of it that was approved by the House Budget Committee was 2,465 pages long. So if you imagine each page has some little policy nugget in it and each page could be negotiated, that takes a long time to draft and to put together. So um, there's also a lot of public comments that have come out from senators and representatives essentially saying something along the line that they're not concerned that the the reconciliation bill will not pass, that they're confident that it will pass, uh, but that the timing of it is not quite as important. In fact, Joe Manchin himself has frequently said that he's not as concerned about the timing. He's just concerned about getting it done and getting it done in what is the right way, at least in his view. And so uh, to emphasize the point, the the Democrats are negotiating among themselves and they're highly motivated to get something done. They just don't have, uh, it appears, full agreement on exactly all of the particulars that are going to go into that bill. Um, But the Democratic leadership is really pushing to get the bill done in some fashion. And of course, some people are going to be happy about the final version of the bill and some people are not going to be happy about the final version of of the bill. And frankly, if they do their jobs negotiating correctly, nobody will be happy about the final version of the bill because that's the usual outcome in normal negotiations. So, uh, And because of all of this, it it is just really difficult uh, to do planning. So my my kind of heart goes out to everybody in this industry who's trying to hold the hands of, of clients um, who are facing these changes, trying to think about what, what changes they ought to be making now that they might not be able to make in the future, that if they make now will be advantageous. And we've spoken about some of those things already on the podcast, but it's really difficult uh, to to make those decisions and to know for sure that what you're doing is the, quote, right thing to do. Um, and that's not that's just not an answer that you could really give people uh, when you look them in the eye and tell them what they, what they should be doing. Um, there's not, not a whole lot of perfect answers. So on the one hand, it makes it difficult. On the other hand, it means that when you make a decision, because there aren't really perfect answers, although they're more perfect than other answers, um, you just have to pick a decision and go with it because there's no, there's no bright line rule. There's no bright line, obvious, uh, right thing to do. And so whatever you can pick reasonably and do it is that's basically the reasonable position to have. And that's the reasonable planning position to take. One of the other things that has come out in the news sort of as all of this has been washing around are the the disclosure of the Pandora Papers. And the Pandora Papers were a disclosure of documents relating to um, trusts and companies that had been set up by uh, resident non-residents of the jurisdiction where where these papers came out of some of these 
these papers came from South Dakota in particular, uh, which is a very popular jurisdiction for trusts. South Dakota does not have any income tax on trusts, and so they are a popular place to, to park money, for example, in trusts. South Dakota also uh, has very strong and modern trust laws that, that allow you to do directed trusts, directed trustees, trust protectors, uh, to sort of split authority among trustees, to protect the trustees from liability, and they also have strong creditor protection statutes. And so for all of those reasons, South Dakota, aside from other things has been uh, a very favored jurisdiction for people to do planning and put money. And on top of all of that, South Dakota, historically, I should say, before these Pandora Papers, has been a place where privacy uh, can be had by setting up a trust there or setting up a company there. You could have some level of privacy. And the, the Pandora Papers prove that that has been a successful uh, financial venture for South Dakota because there was many hundreds of billions of dollars um, in trusts and companies in South Dakota um, that were disclosed in these Pandora papers. And some of the companies and trusts were apparently set up by known or sort of nefarious characters or potentially nefarious characters, some of whom were heads or major heads in uh, other countries around the world. And um, there's a concern, obviously, that if you're a head of a state that is exploiting uh, your own country, you're taking resources out of that country, perhaps improperly, uh, and then you're depositing those funds in a way that nobody knows that it's happening, that that is, that is bad for society. And I think there's a, good, there's a good argument for that. And I think most people would agree that in that context, that is true. That does not necessarily mean that privacy as a broad proposition is therefore wrong in all instances. I think it probably just means you have to question whether that level of privacy is appropriate just on a broad basis or whether some system that requires qualification to gain access to the privacy uh, should be in place. And some people and some businesses have real needs for privacy. They may have uh, creditors or nefarious characters swirling about them that if they knew that they had the money, um, they would make their lives pretty miserable in, in a way that maybe isn't really justified. And you could also have companies that need to do deals without alerting their competitors that they're doing those deals. And therefore, they need to set up structures that would give them some level of privacy that the classic example of that or the classic sort of story of that apparently is when the Disney Corporation was buying property near Orlando, Florida, which was essentially swampland to build Disney World. They did it under a different name and through different um, agents so that nobody knew it was the Disney Corporation trying to buy that land. And you could imagine that if... Um, you know, if potential sellers knew that it was the Disney Corporation, not somebody else, the prices could have gone gone up substantially and it would have made it difficult for them to do those deals. And maybe their competitors could have could have jumped ahead of them and purchased the property for themselves. And that's just one example, but a, a lot of business functions do sort of require a level of privacy. And so that, that filters its way down to family businesses and family affairs, fam family financial affairs as well. Uh, even on a scale that is not a billion dollar scale, but even down on scales that are million dollar scales, you maybe don't need to disclose um, all of that information and have all of your financial information made public. Uh, particularly for people who travel or for people who might, um, as I say, have sort of nefarious characters swirling about them, and those characters do exist. And 
uh, you know, hopefully here in the not too distant future, we're going to have a, an episode about financial exploitation, particularly of vulnerable adults, and we'll kind of get into some of those issues. But the the nefarious characters of the world do exist, and if they have access to some of that financial information, uh, it could be very bad. Uh, so there are real reasons for privacy, and I don't want to uh, make it sound like I'm I'm justifying the the Vladimir Putins of the world who are squirreling away money um, in secret accounts. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is that to say just as a broad statement, as some of the journalists um, talking about the Pandora Papers have done, that privacy in general is a, is bad for society uh, is really not accurate and not nuanced enough. And it does warrant a careful think uh, to figure out what is the right system. You know, what is a system that will uh, allow for a level of privacy that is justified and take care of the kinds of uh, money laundering or money washing schemes that are happening through some of these jurisdictions that offer that privacy currently. And I think it's 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 up on the people in those jurisdictions to look themselves in the eyes and decide whether their system is the correct one and whether they ought to change it. So um, that is really, uh, at least in, in our area of the world, the, the quick roundup of what's going on. I hope uh, for some of you that's helpful. And now you don't have to watch uh, hours of news coverage to figure out what's happening. But um, at time of recording, it is October 13th. I, I would be sad to forget to say that uh, our our thoughts are with all of our accounting friends because October 15th, the last deadline or the last major deadline of the year is coming up this week. It has been a hellish couple of uh, tax seasons for the accountants out there. So if you know an accountant, just uh, send them a nice note or text or or a gift or something and uh, let them know you're thinking of them because it's been very difficult on the accountants. If you think back to most of the major changes that have happened, say the Trump tax changes and then the PPP program during the pandemic and the employee retention credit program or employee retention credit program during the pandemic and now these new proposed changes that are happening and all of the implementation of those new laws really has fallen squarely on the shoulders of accountants in this country. And there's not very much uh, love lost between them and Congress. Congress seems to just, and the Department of Treasury for that matter, uh, the government seems to just issue rules and regulations that have this uh, administrative component to it. And they don't seem to care that the administrative burden is very high and that that administrative burden uh, falls squarely on the backs of the accountants of the world. So again, say something nice to your accountant or accountant friends because uh, they deserve it because it's been a very difficult couple of years in their industry. All right. Well, with that, I'll, I'll leave you to it. Hopefully you uh, are all having a good week and, and carrying on in an effective way here for everybody around you. And we'll just, we'll just keep doing this until... Uh, A, we know what we're doing because they've passed some legislation and B, they make us stop doing it. Hey listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. Rachel and I both really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed doing the podcast. We're trying to do our best work and bring you valuable and useful information and I hope you feel the same way. And if so, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, uh, subscribe to our blog if you want to follow us and see the sort of things that we write about and also follow us on social media at Wealth and Law, basically everywhere that social media is. Thanks so much.